Um, well, good evening. As they said, my name is Angela, and I am the senior minister and director here. And y'all, I am super excited to talk to you tonight because I, I usually get excited about talks, but um, this one's been wild. Um, it has been a journey. I didn't know what I was going to talk about. I wasn't sure. And then when I decided on this, it was kind of one of those talks that's like sometimes harder to come around and Boy, when it came together, I got so excited. And then talk to me later. I don't have time to tell you about all the cool signs that God was giving me today. I'm not big into signs, but let me just tell you. Oof. Okay, so I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. All right, so every year we have a theme at CCF, and that's what kind of determines what we're going to talk about. This year, our theme is story time. And um, we're basing this off the Jesus Storybook Bible, which is while aimed at kids, is not a children's book. That's what Donnie likes to say. It does have a lot of good pictures. Um, but it's really an interesting version of the Bible because it's written from the perspective that the whole book, the whole Bible, is a comprehensive story of Jesus. And their tagline is, every story whispers his name. And we have it written over the, the wall over there. Every story whispers his name. And I, I think that's true. And I don't know if you've ever, if you're familiar with the Bible Project, they have kind of a, a similar theme. They say the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus. And, I, and the more and the longer I study the Bible, the more I think that is true. The whole Bible, even the, the first part, which was like the Hebrew scriptures or the Old Testament, whatever you want to call it, the time before Jesus became a man and entered into history and into time. I think it all talks about God because the Bible tells us about a God who loves us and our need for a savior, what the Jesus Storybook Bible calls the rescuer. And that's the theme that's all through that book. It's a story. The Bible itself is a story of God wanting to rescue us because he wants a relationship with us. And tonight we're going to discuss a very familiar story in um, the Bible, if you haven't figured that, that out. But it is from the early part of the Bible, in the Old Testament. And even if you've never spent much time in church or you've never read the Bible, I guarantee you, you've heard of the story and you are fairly familiar with it. Um, it's, it's a story that typically kids like, but I don't think it's really much of a children's story. It's, it's kind of a tough story, honestly. But I do think it teaches us about God. It teaches us about our need for rescue and really his rescue plan for us. So tonight, boys and girls, we're going to have the story of Noah's Ark. So if you brought an animal, I love all the animals people brought. Um, I love having the animals around. You're kind of on the ark. Welcome. Um, hug them tight. And we're about to read from this Bible. But before we do, I'm going to pray for us. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for every person here tonight. Whether they knew that they were going to be here or not, you did. Um, you knew that we were all going to be together, and we pray for your spirit to be here in this time, God, that you would be glorified, that every word that comes out of my mouth would be something that you want us to hear and talk about. I thank you for what you've done in the world, and help us just to learn more about you through this time, and have a good time doing it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, if you were here last week, Donnie started um, a little bit earlier in the beginning of this book. Um, if you're not, we have a podcast, and there's a lot of ways you can see it. But basically, he was, he was telling us about Adam and Eve, all right? So we all know about these new people, Adam and Eve, in this fresh, brand-new world that God made. And, you know, they had one job, right? And um, they're people, so, of course, they screwed up that one job. And we found ourselves in the need for rescue. And the very next chapter in this book is the chapter of the story of, or the chapter and story of Noah's Ark. And I believe that's what this does. It 
tells us, basically shows us God's rescue plan. So I'm going to read from here. It is also going to be on the screen. You probably can't see that, but trust me, I'm reading the words. Um, and you can see the pictures. So it says, a new beginning. Time passed, and many people filled the earth. Everyone everywhere had forgotten about God, and were only doing bad things all the time. God's heart was filled with pain when he saw what had happened to the world he loved. Everywhere was disease and death and destruction, all the things God hates most. Now Noah was God's friend, which was odd in those days because no one else was. Noah listened to God. He talked to God. He just loved being with God like you do with your best friend. Noah, God said, things have gone wrong. People have filled my world with hate instead of love. They are destroying themselves and each other and my world. I must stop them. First, we'll build an ark. Do you know how to build an ark? Neither did Noah. Luckily, God knew, and he would show him. A storm is coming, God told Noah, but I will rescue you. I promise. I'll send the animals to you, ones that creep and crawl and slither and slime and gallop and hop and bound and climb. That rhymed. And don't forget to pack everyone's food. The storm was going to wash away all the hate and sadness and everything that had gone wrong and make the world clean again. God had thought up a way to keep Noah safe, but Noah would have to trust God and do exactly what God told him. So Noah built an ark, short for a very large boat. Noah's neighbors came out to watch and point and laugh because they didn't believe Noah about the boat or the storm or needing to be rescued. And Noah must have looked rather silly. His boat was in the desert. The desert was nowhere near the sea, and there wasn't even a cloud in the sky. Why would anyone need an umbrella, let alone a boat? But Noah didn't mind so much what other people thought. He minded what God thought. So he just did what God told him to do. And when the ark was ready, God said, all aboard. And Noah's family and all the animals climbed inside. And then God shut the door. And then, of course, it rained. And it flooded. And it flooded the whole earth. And it kept raining. And most life died, which is super sad, obviously. Um, after about a year, the waters receded and the kind of God made a promise that, you know, he would never again destroy the, the earth with flood. And he sealed that promise with the rainbow, the end, or kind of the beginning again, right? So it's a familiar story. It's one that most of us have heard to some degree from the time we were young. And so I was thinking about this talk and what am I going to talk about about this story. And I was really praying about it and seeking. And as I was thinking and seeking, there was one question that kept popping up in my mind. And it was, would I have gotten on the ark? And I'm going to ask you the same question. Would you have gotten on the ark? Now, the, the obvious answer is, of course. I mean, there's a, there's a flood. I'm going to get on that boat. I'm going to pick out a nice cabin with a little ocean view, and I'm going to be safe from that flood, right? That's easy to think now. But put yourself back then, before there was a flood, okay, before we know what we know now, would we have gotten on the boat, really? I honestly don't know if I would have. And here's what, as I started thinking through this, here's what I came up with. Okay, first let's think for a second about old Mr. Noah. My question is, Noah, crazy old man or prophet of God? Don't know, really, right? From this angle, from looking back, we're like, oh, yes, definitely a prophet of God. Great man. But before the flood, think about it. There's a 500-year-old dude, and he's in a desert building a huge boat. We're, they're, they're thinking it's like football field-sized boat. I mean, like Sanford Stadium. You know, this is a huge boat in the desert, and he's working on it for years, decades, maybe even 100 years. 
working on this boat. It's really wacky by any standard because there's not water nearby and a lot of people think it had never even rained up until this point. So you got this old dude and when I say he seemed crazy, y'all, he was different from everybody. He acted differently. He, he talked differently. What he did was different. Everybody noticed it too and they ridiculed him according to the Bible. They, they mocked him. They saw that he was different. He followed God when no one else in the world followed God. He believed God when he told him to do something crazy. And he built this huge ark. He tried to get other folks to join him, but they didn't. They thought he was nuts, right? No one did, but he got on that boat. And everybody just made fun of him. And as I was doing my research for this talk, because you know you do your research. So I read the storybook Bible one a couple times, you know. Then I read the story in the, in the actual, I don't want to say real Bible, but, you know, the real Bible, the ESV. Um, and then I watched the 2014 movie Noah, okay, starring Russell Crowe and Jennifer Conley and Anthony Hopkins and, of course, Hermione Granger. Um, <laughs> Emma Watkins, and I watched, and I love, I, I, was, I love all those people, and I was super excited for this movie, and I'm sorry if you liked the movie, I hated the movie, y'all, I just, I thought it was just a feel-bad movie, by the end of the movie, I hated Noah, I didn't understand the rock monster Nephilim that were there, and I, I don't even know how you pronounce that, and honestly, I wasn't too pleased with God, and I'm a minister, okay, so something was wrong there, but then I rewatched the classic Evan Almighty, and all was right in the world again, right? Evan Almighty stars Steve Carell. It stars Morgan Freeman and Lorelai Gilmore. I mean, you know, Lauren Graham, also all of whom I love. And this is a comedy, and it's wonderful. And honestly, I will not be surprised if I get to heaven and God looks like and talks like Morgan Freeman. I mean, I'm fine with that, you know? So in this version of the movie, if you've never seen it, first of all, you should, because it's, it's really funny and really good, I think. Um, you have, it's, a, it's set in modern times, and Steve Carell is an anchor man who turns into a congressman, who turns into an unwilling Noah, and God has a mission for him. He's tasked him to build an ark in the middle of Virginia, all right? And, and Steve Carell, he doesn't want to do this, you know? He, he thinks this is crazy, as we all would, um, and the people around him think this is crazy because he's unwilling, but God has just determined that he's going to be Noah, so... God is just making him look like Noah. He shaves and his hair grows back. It's really, really funny. You should, you should watch it. If he, if he tries to wear anything other than the Noah robe that God gave him, he's naked. So he really needs to wear that robe. Um, but I think that this movie, even though it's a comedy, does a great job of giving us an idea of just how difficult it would be to get this crazy message from God, to be, to be seen as someone who's just kind of maybe lost it because they don't know yet, right? It's before a flood. It's before there's any reason for this. So we're going to watch a short clip. And in this clip, um, Steve Carell has been called, he's been called to, um, and his name is Evan in the movie, Evan Almighty, that's where that comes from. He's been called to Congress, and he tries, like, putting his beard in a little beard ponytail, and he tries, he tries putting his normal clothes over the Noah's robe, but by the time he gets there, his hair's everywhere and all that. And um, he's finally recognized, okay, I have a mission. God has a mission for me. He didn't want to go to Congress, and he goes. The people around him don't really know that. And one other thing you should know is in this version, animals follow him. All right, so we're going to watch this clip. All right, so, you know, building a huge ark in the middle of Virginia in modern day is, is not that much more crazy than building a huge ark in a desert, 
right? It is, they're both just nuts, and people are people. You know people made fun of them. You know it was a difficult time. And I don't know about you, but I do not like being mocked. I don't like being ridiculed. I don't like being left out of things. I still remember, okay, I was 13, and this was good-natured, but I was playing softball, and I was number eight. And I get up to bat, and the other team goes, number eight, thinks she's great, but she's really not. <laughs> okay, it doesn't even rhyme. It's horrible. And it has stuck with me. <laughs> It, it affected me that game. I changed my number next year. I mean, it was just, number eight is great. I, I wasn't that game because of that stupid cheer. But, you know, I, it's, it's hard. It's hard to be left out or feel on the outside or feel like everybody doesn't understand and mock you. So I, when I think about it, I don't know if I would have been on Team Noah. I, I don't know if I would have gotten on that arc. Would you have? But it goes beyond that because if I'm honest, I don't know if I would have had enough faith to get on that ark before a flood, to trust God that that was coming, much less to build one for 50 to 100 years. I mean, that takes a lot of obedience, a lot of faith. I think it takes a lot of faith to believe in God even now, today. And we have the Bible. They didn't have that. We have churches on every corner. They didn't have that. I, I believe that there's a lot of evidence that Jesus is who he says he is. I'm happy to talk to any of you about that anytime. Jesus hadn't come yet, all right? It's hard enough now with all the hurt and the pain and the evil that we see around us to believe that there could be a good God to trust that. But y'all, shockingly, things back in Noah's day were even worse. This is what Genesis 6-5 says in the NIV. It says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. I mean, that, I think that's even worse than it is today. And let's face it, it's hard to trust that God is good with all the hurt and the evil we see. But Noah did. Noah walked with God. He was God's friend. He believed him when he told him that a flood was coming. He trusted him. He obeyed him. He told him to do crazy big things. And, and Noah did it with no tangible evidence that this was going to happen. There had never been a flood like that. Noah and his family built a giant boat, and then they got on board. That's a lot of faith. That's a lot of trust. That's a lot of obedience. And if I'm honest, I don't know if I would have had that much given that time, doing that in front of people. I also really don't know if I hear God that clearly, like, like Noah apparently did. You know, I think if, if I thought God told me to build a big boat, I would probably start thinking, build a big boat? Did he really? He couldn't have said build a big boat. I live in a I bet he said find a big goat. I should go out and get a goat because we need a goat. Or make a new coat. It's getting cold. Yes, I, I think I'd rationalize because it's easy to not believe things that are hard to believe. But Noah did. And I don't know if I would have gotten on the ark. And I want to ask you, would you have gotten on the ark? And then there's one more thing I was thinking about. Let's get practical. This was no Royal Caribbean cruise, right? This was no luxury cruise. Think about the other passengers. I mean, first of all, there's, there's crazy Noah and his family. The jury's still out on them, but we're not sure about them. But let's don't forget that this huge boat gets filled up with all sorts of animals and not the cute little stuffed animals that we have here, like animals that would want to eat us. And they are there, and they are everywhere. They're dangerous. It's crowded. Can you think about the smell on this boat? All right, I have two dogs and they smell so bad, and I don't like them on the sofa, and I certainly don't like them to sleep with me. I can't imagine being on a, a boat with that many animals. Think about the amount of crap that was there. Who's going to shovel all of that crap 
There is a lot. This is a difficult situation. This is not nice. Probably I'd be walking up the ramp to get on the ark and step in a big pile of camel dung and go, nope, and just turn around and head back down. You know, there were no showers. It was a difficult situation. It couldn't have been comfortable. And don't even get me started on seasickness, right? When you think about it, getting on the boat seems crazy, especially before the flood, before it started raining for days. I think it's, it was hard between handling the ridicule, between having that amount of faith in God, all the long, hard work, the difficult conditions. I don't know if I would have gotten on the ark. I don't know if many of us would have gotten on the ark, would you? The fact is that hindsight changes everything, right? Looking back after the fact, we think, of course I would have been on that ark. Oh, you know, I'd have been the first one up there. I'd have been taking care of the, I love me some animals, you know. This is going to be great. I'd absolutely be on that. But without the benefit of hindsight, would we have? You know, this is truly one of those cases where hindsight is 2020. And if you know what that means, it means like looking back, you can easily see the right path. But the problem is we all see clearly in hindsight. But hindsight doesn't always help us make the decision in the now. Hindsight is good for looking back. What we need is future sight or foresight. We need to see what's coming up. We can't see what's going to happen in the next few minutes, much less the next few days or weeks or months. And it's tough because it's hard to make good decisions, especially when they're big decisions, decisions that could potentially save us and make no, no difference about it, no lie about it. This is a life-saving decision that Noah made for him and his family. But one thing that hindsight can do, it can help us learn from the past. That's what studying history does. Any history majors in here? My people, that's right, that's right. We can learn from past events and people by studying them. You know, in hindsight, um, we know that Noah wasn't a crazy old man, right? He's the man who lived. He's the boy who lived. <laughs> No, we know that he was a prophet of God, and so we should learn from him. So I think it's important for us to look back and study a little bit about what Noah was like because we want to be able to be sure that if there is the need for rescue, if there is a flood coming, that we are on the boat with God's rescue plan for us. So we're going to start looking at Noah. What was he like, all right? And how did he know there was a flood coming? How did he hear God? When others didn't. And I think that the answers to these questions are summed up really well in just two verses. All right, the first is Genesis 6 9. It says, Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. So look at that first part. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah was righteous. Okay, what does that mean? Does it mean he was perfect, that he was sinless? No, I don't think so, because the Bible makes it clear that no one is sinless, right? Plus, we see him getting drunk, like naked drunk, after they land on the ground. So, you know, we all have our issues. It's okay, no judgment here. Um, that's right, that's right. So, so most scholars believe that when they say he's righteous, it meant that he, he was good, and he was just, and he lived with a high ethical standard. He lived like God. He was different. His behavior was different from the generation around him. That's why he was blameless in his generation. He stood out. He didn't do what everybody else did. He didn't treat people that way. He sought to serve and obey God, God who is a good God. And so he acted like God. And this, of course, made him a target of ridicule. 
He was different, but he was okay with that because he knew it was important. The storybook Bible says this, Noah didn't mind so much what other people thought. He minded what God thought. So he just did what God told him to do. Now, I think the phrase at the end of that verse that we read is also helpful to show us how to do that, how he could hear God. It says Noah walked with God. Noah had a relationship with God. He was friends with him. The Good News Translation says he lived in fellowship with God. The Jesus Storybook Bible says Noah was God's friend. Honestly, I think Noah was considered righteous because he walked with God. Because he was God's friend, he knew what God wanted, what God liked. And I don't know if you know this, but we become a lot like the people we hang around a lot. And Noah hung around with God. He listened to him. He talked to him. He wanted to please him, even if it meant he was going to be different from everybody around him. And because he was so close to God, because he walked with him, he could hear him when he told him something's coming. We got, we got problems. You're going to need to do something. And he was so close to God. He listened so well that he was able to, to walk by faith, not by sight. And that's a big thing. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And a little bit later, talking about Noah in Hebrews, it says, By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. Noah didn't have foresight, but he knew God. And God has all sight. God is outside of time. He believed God, and he believed that God could see what was happening. He believed God when he said he loved him, and he was going to, he was going to need to build a boat. And so he did it, as crazy as that was. But Noah wasn't crazy. See, we know Noah was a prophet of God. And he and his family were saved. And that's what faith in God will do. When we learn to know him and listen to him and follow him, it prepares us for what's ahead. Because here's the deal, y'all. Storms are coming for us too. Floodwaters are coming. Waters in our life will rise. And I know there's some of you in here that feel like you are barely keeping your head out of that water. But there's probably some of you in here are like, there's not a cloud in my sky. Why would I worry about this? But history and hindsight show us that eventually the storms will come. It, eventually, our time on earth will end and we need to be ready. Bottom line, like Noah, we need rescue. We need rescue because God told us we needed rescue. But the good news of the Bible is that just like he did for Noah, God has a rescue plan for us. And he explains it in the Bible. God's rescue plan is Jesus. It's his son. And this is another familiar passage that a lot of people have heard. But it's great. John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Having faith in Jesus is getting on the boat. Having a relationship with Jesus, believing he is who God says he is, trusting him, obeying him. It's how we get on the boat. It's how we survive the floods of life. It's how we defeat even death. We begin a relationship with God. See, I think the story of Noah's Ark is in the Bible to tell us this, that we need rescue, but that God has provided rescue. All right? And we get on that boat just like Noah did. 
Every story whispers Jesus' name. I think it's all through the story of Noah. I think there's so many similarities to our world now. You know, think about how, how much evil and sin was in the world then. It is now. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Sin is always going to be with us. But sin leads to separation because God is perfect. It leads to spiritual death. Floods. The good news is Romans 6.23 comes right after that. And it says the wages of sin is death. But God loves us enough to provide a way for salvation. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a free gift because God wants everybody to have it. <laughs> all right? He really does. He wants to bring us all through death into life and safety and relationship with him. Now and for eternity, everyone is invited to get on board. Everybody is wanted. You are invited. You are wanted. The Bible has a really cool verse, and it's actually in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. It's all through there, and it says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone is invited to be a part of this rescue plan, to get on the boat. And that's good news. But sadly, not everybody will. You know, Noah preached. It says the whole time he was, he was building that ark. He told people to get on the boat with him. He tried to, to get them to be rescued, but, but they didn't do it. So my question is, are you on the boat? All right, and, and I get it. I, not everybody is, and, I, and I, there's good reasons. And a lot of times these reasons are very similar to the ones why we wouldn't have gotten on the boat with Noah, right? People might think we're crazy because if we follow Jesus, we, have to, we act differently. We act like Jesus. That's going to stand out in our generation. We might get ridiculed. We might get mocked. It can be hard. It's tough having faith, right? It's hard believing in God when the world is bad. It's hard to hear God sometimes when there's so much noise and other things in our life. And being a Christian isn't always easy. It's not a luxury cruise. Jesus says when we follow him, we need to live like him. He lived a sacrificial life. Jesus loved his enemies. Jesus gave to the poor. These are not necessarily easy things or comfortable things. But the good news is, we have hindsight. Unlike Noah, unlike if we were there when Noah was there, we can benefit from hindsight. We know that Noah wasn't crazy, right? He was a prophet. We can see that God can be trusted because God said this was going to happen, and it did. And God said he was going to provide rescue, and he did. That builds our faith in God, and we know it's worth it. I know it's hard. I know it's hard, especially in college. I really do. I mean, I was in college... When I got on the boat, I don't know if you know that, all right? And changing my lifestyle wasn't really easy, but it was very necessary. I was a very wild child. Um, and when I made that, that change and started making those changes, my party friends, they did not understand why I stopped partying with them and why I started going to church. They gave me a lot of grief. They said I was judging them. And when I decided to work in a ministry, okay, my family gave me a lot of grief. They didn't understand what I was doing or why I was doing it. My dad said, I can't believe you're going to waste your education and all your abilities on ministry. I had other family members say, what are you thinking? You've got to get a job that provides for yourself. My poor mother, she was worried I joined a cult because my behavior had changed so much, right? I was standing out. And the truth was I had just entered a life-changing relationship with God, and it was transforming me. And it was wonderful. But people noticed and that wasn't always easy. And I, I changed, but I, you know, I, I'm not perfect. 
I've never been perfect. I've been working on this for 34 years. I don't think I ever will be perfect. But the good news is I don't have to be because the rescue plan God has in Jesus says that he will forgive me. And in him, I am made perfect, not because I'm that good, but because he's that good. It is a great rescue plan. And yes, I had to make some changes. And yes, it's, I'm in a career that doesn't pay very well. And no, it's not always easy. I like money. I like things, you know. Um, it's not easy to be left out and ridiculed. I don't like getting little, you know, rhymes that don't even rhyme set against me. Um, but the truth is, I found so much joy in this decision. Y'all, it transformed my life. I have a relationship with the God of the universe. I don't deserve that. And yeah, it does take faith. Right, we've talked a lot about faith, but it doesn't take that much faith. It takes genuine faith. Jesus said if we had faith the size of a mustard seed, a, one of the tiniest seeds, then we could move mountains. And I'm telling you, when I made this decision to get on board, I had maybe a speck of a mustard seed worth of, worth of faith. And I'm not kidding. My, my prayer, my pitiful prayer in my dorm room one late night was, God, I don't know if you're real, but if you are, I need help. And that pitiful prayer with the tiniest speck of faith changed my life. It still changed my life. It still amazes me. God heard my prayer, and he, he got me on the boat. And my faith has grown. It's gotten stronger, and it's gotten better. And it's still not perfect. But y'all, being on that boat has helped me navigate so many storms and so much flood water because life wasn't perfect. It hasn't gotten, you know, all rainbows and kittens since becoming a follower of Christ. There's been a lot of difficult things, but boy, on the boat, it's different. I'm on the boat and the view is nice. I have peace in the midst of the storms and the flood. I don't like them, but I have peace. I don't deserve that. I have joy and hope and, and faith that I don't deserve I'm a, I'm a child of God. That just still boggles my mind. And if you had known me in college, it would boggle your mind. I saw people at a reunion, and they're like, okay, you're a minister now. you got to tell us what happened here. <laughs> because we knew you here and there. Um, it, this prayer came at the end of my senior year, just so you know. Um, anyway, this is available to all, all right, everybody. I am, I am not the exception. This did not happen to me because I'm a minister. Believe me, I was not a minister right? This rescue plan is for everybody. Anybody who is willing to take that small step of faith, anybody who is willing to call out to God, it's there for you. It's there for all of us. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, God loves you. He knows you. He wants to rescue you. He wants to have a relationship with you, and he wants you to be safe on the boat with Jesus. Like Noah, we got to have faith with God. We got to do this before the rain comes, before the flood comes. If God says we need rescue, we need rescue. And he has a plan. Jesus is that plan. He's our ark. He's God's rescue plan, the way to safety. And the way on that ark, Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. You will be saved. That's how you get on the ark. That is a promise we can trust. And that's the point of the story of Noah's ark. We can believe God. We can trust him. And when we obey him, we are safe. We live. So my question again, are you on the boat? And I know most of you here are like, yes, Angela, I'm on the boat. <laughs> I love being on the boat. That's awesome. And so I want to close with just a couple words for those of us who are on the boat. 
because there's stuff we can learn from this too. First, if you are on the boat, celebrate. Rejoice, because you are saved. No matter what kind of grief you get, no matter how left out you feel, no matter if you're not one of the cool kids, it, you are rescued. Celebrate, rejoice. You have a lot to be thankful for. Second, invite others on the boat. 2 Peter 2.5 says Noah's called a preacher of righteousness. He preached to the people around him. He wanted other people on the boat. He could have been the worst preacher ever. A hundred years of preaching, no one gets on the boat, right? Um, we're not responsible for the results. We're just responsible for telling people what God did to us, showing them he loves them, showing them he's got a plan for them. And that's what we need to do. If we are on the boat, let's try to get others on the boat because we know that's best for them. And then third, relax, okay? Everybody take a deep breath and relax. Enjoy the ride. God's rescue plan is solid. His boat is good, okay? It's not going to leak. It's not going to crash. It's not going to have anything like that. Yes, there will be some scary moments. I'm sure Noah and his family were a little scared when the floodwaters took that boat at first. I would be a little scared when the, the water stayed there for over a year. I'm like, okay, God, uh, <laughs> this isn't permanent, is it? Um, but they didn't have to be scared because God had them, just like God has us. If we are on the boat, God has us. doesn't mean hard things won't happen, but it means that he's got you. He says he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You are not alone. You are rescued. And so we need to learn to believe that and to rest and to enjoy the ride. So are you on the boat? If you are, celebrate. Be happy. Enjoy it. If not, why not? Get on the boat, people. Come on. You're wanted. You're not worthy because none of us are, but you're welcome. <laughs> and God, God brings us all on board. So Noah's Ark, when you see it, don't just think about the cute little animals. Think about the fact that God was showing us we need rescue, but I got you. I got a rescue plan. All you got to do is get on the boat. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you made it simple for us. Um, very few of us will have to build a huge boat in a desert, and I'm grateful for that. Um, instead, you, you did the work. You sent your son, Jesus, and he died on the cross, a horrible death, to save us. You had a rescue plan from the start, and it's open to everybody. There is nothing we can do that could outrun your love and your forgiveness. I pray for all of us in here to, to think about it, to make sure that we are on the boat, to make sure we're telling other people that there is a boat, that they are not alone, that God has not abandoned them, that there is a God who loves them. God, I pray that anybody who might want to talk about this more would be bold and talk to a friend or talk to staff or, or talk to one of our leaders, um, but not let the conversation die off now because it's too important open our eyes to people who need to be on the boat open our eyes if it's us and help us to be bold and make those steps thank you god for your love thank you for the story of noah thank you for all you do thank you for each person here that you have known since they were in their mother's womb you know them and you love them it's in jesus name i pray amen